the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you very much for joining us as we get started at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 14th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Today is the day that the House of Representatives' soon-to-be minority party, that would be the Republican Party, chooses its leadership. Who is best equipped to fight back against the investigative agenda? Mind you, I did not say legislative agenda, although that is probably a small, small part of what they are going to do. But the investigative uh, agenda of the new major- uh, majority party, rather, the uh, Democrat Party. Do the Republicans in this country want to be represented? Represented, Boy, I'm really butchering words today. Do the uh, Republican uh, members and voters of this party uh, today want the same representation that we got from the likes of Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy, establishment Republicans only too willing to cut deals with Democrats and undercut at the same time the will of the people that voted for them, or do they want a true conservative leader in the position of House minority leader like Jim Jordan? We lost so many races by the slimmest of margin. If we, if we get the things done that we told them we were going to do, I think we win many of those races and we would have stayed in the majority. So that's the message I try to convey to our colleagues. And if I'm given the chance to lead, I'm going to work on one thing, doing what we told the American people we were going to do. I cannot tell you how refreshing it is to hear things like that. Because that's what we voted for. In 2016, we obviously voted for the uh, majority in the House all the way back in 2010. 
But since then, in every national election, we have continued to say we want conservative leaders in the Republican Party who will push back against the Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer agenda, the Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama agenda, and now the radical Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff, Kamala Harris, that radical leftist agenda. We can't fight fire with a squirt gun. We truly need a fire hose. And sorry about bringing up the imagery of what's terrible going on right now, obviously. I wish there were more fire hoses and more abilities uh, for humankind to stop the destructive uh, power of of nature. And not that this is necessarily a natural storm, but it is being worsened, uh, of course, the, the, the worst wildfire, the most devastating fire in American history, now continuing to ravage California, being aided by, like I said, the destructive power of nature, the Santa Ana winds, uh, certainly uh, playing uh, havoc, wreaking havoc on the situation. I wish we had more, but um, back to my metaphor. We cannot fight the Democrats' legislative slash investigative uh, fire with a squirt gun. We need a fire hose. Kevin McCarthy is a squirt gun. If not, sometimes uh, having lighter fluid in that squirt gun. That's right. Sometimes these establishment Republican leadership or leaders are, make the situation worse. They fan the flames. They, they, they feed and fuel the flames. I want a fire hose on the other end. I want to aim it directly at Nancy Pelosi and her investigative agenda, and we cannot do that without someone like Jim Jordan in that minority seat, or that uh, minority leader seat. Two years ago, the American people elected President Trump to come to this town and shake it up, and he has done just that. But I don't think they've seen the same intensity from House Republicans. Nope. Did we replace Obamacare? Did we reform welfare? Did we secure the border and build the border security wall? Some key things that we told them we were going to do that we haven't done. I think I think that was the biggest problem we had. And that's exactly what his mantra has been. Do what we told the American people we were going to do if they put us in power in Washington, D.C. We haven't done enough of it. And it's because of leadership like Paul Ryan. It's because of leadership like former, soon-to-be former majority leader Kevin McCarthy. He cannot continue in that role as minority leader. He's got to go. And I want to make sure, and I know we cannot make sure, but we've been beating this drum for a while now, since the elections last week, saying you need to call your member of Congress. Say, I can't call anybody else, because Jordan is my congressman. He, I am in the 4th District. But call your member of Congress, and maybe you could just call it anyway, call any other member of Congress and say, when you vote today, and it's happening this morning, when you vote today on the minority leadership position, do not vote for Kevin McCarthy, vote for Jim Jordan. We need strong, principled, conservative leadership uh, in the House to battle and combat Nancy Pelosi. It is going to be hell. And again, I'm sorry for the references to, to those kinds of things, but my goodness, they are taking fur or, or deadly aim. They are laser locked in, focusing on uh, trying to destroy President Trump and destroy uh, the Republican leadership. They are absolutely trying to destroy the administration. They have said this is going to be, they're going to have a subpoena cannon pointed at every Republican in Washington, D.C. They're going to investigate. They're going to subpoena. They're going to delay. They're not going to do anything legislatively. They just want to destroy. I mean, look. For better or worse, this is the one problem I think I can see in the Republican Party nationally. 
It's Donald Trump's party. Now let me refer, let me explain that. I want to I want to make sure you don't misunderstand. I support the president. I support the president's agenda. Absolutely 100%. The agenda is what we must back. The problem comes when we do what we've done here. We have made the Republican Party the party of President Trump and that's all. Does that make sense? What I'm saying is the proverbial basket All of our eggs are in the Trump basket. If there's a hole in the bottom, every egg is going to fall out and crack. This is the problem. The party of Trump is truly in just one man's hands. And if he falls, if something happens, if the Democrats are successful in impeaching or, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, indicting or any of these kinds of things, the, the president or the president's leadership in the West Wing, and from the campaign, if if the president falls, the party falls. We need someone to push back and fight back against that before that ever happens. And that, of course, is going to be strong leadership on Capitol Hill, uh, the likes of which I think we can find in, uh, in uh, Jim Jordan and not so much in Kevin McCarthy. So that's just one of a lot of very important things we're going to be talking about today. Coming up. In about a half an hour, well, less than that now, in about 20 minutes, we're going to be talking with my friend John Cardillo. John finds himself in his home county of Broward County, Florida. John is a former New York City police officer. He is also a former radio show host, and now he actually has a television program on Newsmax TV, uh, America Talks Live, and uh, it's a really terrific show. And he is, like I said, in the belly of the beast. He has fought on air with the likes of Brenda Snipes, Dr. Brenda Snipes, who is in charge of the elections uh, down in Broward County, which, of course, is the center of a major, major problem right now as they continue to try to steal votes from and ultimately the elections of two Republicans from last Tuesday's election. The Broward County election staff isn't giving up. They are still at it right now. They've been going all night long. Now, here's where we stand. They've counted about 199,000 of 715,000 total ballots. They believe that they're going to get it done yesterday. The election supervisor, Dr. Dr. Brenda Snipes said as much. We won't miss that deadline. It's too critical. We won't miss it. Attorney General Pam Bondi going on Hannity last night demanded that there be an investigation by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. This is about the integrity of our election process. As far as the timeline goes, the deadline is, of course, 3 p.m. tomorrow. And then from there, we expect possibly the manual hand recount, so it's far from over. No, it really is, except that it should be over. And if they had any integrity whatsoever in the Democrat Party, Nelson would have conceded a long time ago. Gillum uh, Gillum conceded and then withdrew his concession uh, because they know that every time they find another bushel of votes, oh, look at this, we missed those, too. They're over there behind the tree. How'd they get there? I don't know. But look at this. 99% of them are for the Democrat. Every time they find new votes, they find find a way to become for the Democrats. And by the way, and we're going to talk to John Cardillo about that again from Newsmax TV. And uh, he is, as I mentioned, uh, uh, right in the, in the middle of it all, down there in Broward County. Uh, Newsmax headquarters is up in Boca Raton, so uh, it's, a, it's a pretty easy get for him. So we're looking forward to that conversation. But speaking of votes and voter irregularities, and just some things that kind of make you scratch your head and say, wow, huh, how does that work? Have you spent any time looking at the results of what happened in Arizona with Martha McSally losing 
the Senate seat that she looked like she was easily going to win. Not easily, but she had a very comfortable lead, at least late on Tuesday. And it took kind of like Florida, apparently, several days to count. Doesn't make any sense that it would, but it looks like it took several days to count. And suddenly Cinema actually wins this election. And how and why? Well, strangely enough, by way of Maricopa County. Maricopa County, which elected Sheriff Joe Arpaio, the, I mean, the, the, what can you say about Sheriff Joe, who used to have the title of America's Sheriff before I think David Clark usurped it from him. But what can you say about Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who ran the tent city and just was a conservative icon and hero, elected over and over and over again by Maricopa County, right? And somehow... Martha McSally lost the election when a whole bunch of new votes were counted in, strangely enough, Maricopa County. And they were all for cinema. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you look and you, re- and you, and you take a look at the, the vote margins that Republicans had in other areas, including McSally, of Arizona, and then the last county to report was Maricopa County, just about as conservative as you can imagine, she is a war hero, a fighter pilot. Cinema uh, says it's okay to join the Taliban. And yet somehow, by the hundreds of thousands, voters elected Cinema from Maricopa County, uh, Arizona. I'm j- Look, I'm not going to sit here and allege voter fraud in every case where the Democrats won. I'm not doing that. But again, what we, we talked about yesterday, it's not about every vote counting it's about the people who count the votes i don't trust so many of these people and i think we're seeing a dry run right now a dry run for how they can steal the votes in various counties and states in 2020 to make sure that donald trump does not win without the law getting involved john cardillo my guest who's coming up as i said at uh, about 9.35. He tweeted this yesterday. Make no mistake, what you're seeing happening in Broward and Palm Beach County has as much to do with 2020 as it does with 2018. The Democrats want to see how overtly they can steal elections without law enforcement getting involved. I completely concur. This was a dry run. And and we are in a very, very precarious state. Our democracy, and when I say democracy, I mean that as a verb, not as a noun, uh, because you know our democracy is in jeopardy. We do use the democratic process. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional representative republic, but we uh, we are a democracy, or excuse me, we do practice democracy. So I'm using it in a, in a different manner. All right, 920, uh, we'll get a quick time out here. We're going to check our traffic, and uh, I want to come back and get you on the phones before 930 as well. 216 Major, major things going on today in Washington, D.C. Jim Jordan versus Kevin McCarthy for the minority leadership. Will the swamp remain swampy? Will the Republicans we sent to Congress to change things Will the Republicans that we sent to Congress support Donald Trump and thus Donald Trump's supporter in the House, uh, Jim Jordan, one of the leaders of the Freedom Caucus, or will they continue to choose establishmentarians like Kevin McCarthy? We'll get into all of that, too, right here on AM 1420, The Answer.
All right, 926, a reminder, uh, my friend uh, John Cardillo, Newsmax TV, is going to be joining us from Broward County, Florida, in the belly of the beast, where they are trying to steal elections from Republicans, Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott. We'll talk to him about that coming up. But first, I want to share something that I really enjoyed yesterday uh, when I saw it for the first time, and I think you will, too. Mike Gundy is the head football coach at um, uh, at Oklahoma State University, and he was uh, asked a question um, over the weekend about a player that had transferred, or maybe it was more than one player that had transferred uh, from the program. And uh, Mr. Van Gundy, or excuse me, not Van Gundy, I don't want to mix him up with the basketball coaches, uh, Stan Van Gundy and, uh, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy, but no, Mike Gundy, just Mike Gundy, said that there's a reason why players quit and transfer these days. And it has not as much to do with football as it does with life and politics and the influence of one on the other. Give this a listen. Is that the biggest difference in players these days? It seems like transferring is a lot easier to... A lot, of, a lot easier for guys to do than maybe it was back in the day. That's the reporter, by the way, leading Mike uh, Gundy into this answer. Well, I think we live in a world where people are noncommittal. We we allow liberalism to say, hey, I can just do what I want, and I don't have to really be tough and fight through it. And you see that with, with young people um, because it's an option they're given. We weren't given that option when we were growing up. We were told what to do. We did it the right way, or um, you go figure it out on your own. In, in the world today, there's a lot of entitlement. Uh, I'm a firm believer in the snowflake. I think it's it's setting there. And I'm not talking about Tabo. Tabo and I have had multiple good talks. I'm talking about every millennial young person, Generation Z, I think is what they call them. Um, that's the world we live in because if they say, well, it's a little bit hard, then we say, okay, well, let's go try something else versus, hey, let's let's bear down and let's fight through this. So you see a lot of that nowadays. And that doesn't have anything to do with Tabo or McCleskey or anybody that's been on the portal here. That's just in general in society, even if you're working down here at Walmart, if your boss gets after you and tells you that you're not doing a good job, you may go home and cry and tell your mom, and your mom may say it's okay. It's just kind of the facts of life, the world we live in today. Don't get me on politics. Yeah, too late. He already got started on politics. And uh, normally I do, um, you know, I, I side with Laura Ingram when she tells LeBron James and others to shut up and dribble, don't bring politics into our sports. Um, but this particular coach was asked a question by a reporter specifically about, uh, do you think young people today quit too easily? Do you think they, when these transfers from your program leave, uh, are they doing it too easily? Are they giving up too much? And Mike Gundy's response is being destroyed by liberals, naturally, because he dared to criticize liberalism. And he is being criticized for his take, saying, how come if the coaches can transfer and leave one job and go to another, how come the, the players can't? It's not about who can or can't. It's about who should and why they do. And Mike Gundy, I thought, really did a fantastic job of explaining the culture today. These millennials, this Generation Z, as he pointed out, whatever you want to call them, they have been taught for so long in, in, in this age of America that their feelings matter. More than they should. If your feelings are hurt, you don't have to do that anymore. That's okay. We'll rescue you. You get away from that situation where your feelings got hurt. If your 
uh, you know, it, it, it's an age of participation trophies. You don't have to work as hard as the other guy. You're each going to get the same job, the same participation trophy. And then when they come up to college football, where it's highly competitive, people are, it's <laughs> my equal playing time. I want my same exact thing, the same trophy he gets. I want it, too. I don't care if he's better than me, and I don't like that I'm leaving. Mike Gundy is simply pointing out the truth. We are raising a generation of snowflakes who don't know what it's like to fight for the things that they want and need. They expect it to be handed to them, and if it gets too tough, they bail. That is the reality of the situation. Mike Gundy, well done, sir. John Cardilla joins us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Speaking with Ted Arslanian of Arslanian Brothers, of course we know your prices are always the best value, but you also offer a cash and carry service for extra savings. If you drop off and pick up your area rug, you will save a full 20%. No coupon needed. This is a year-round promotion. While you're here, I can give you a guided tour of our plant and show you where the magic happens. Questions? Just ask Ted. 216-271-6888 or visit arslanianbrothers.com. Nine thirty-five. Now the Bob Brands Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. All right. I mentioned uh, his tweet just a few moments ago. I could not agree more with it. John Cardillo, who is the host of uh, America Talks Live on Newsmax TV, uh, tweeted yesterday. Make no mistake. What you're seeing happening in Broward and Palm Beach counties has as much to do with 2020 as it does with 2018. The Democrats want to see how overtly they can try to steal an election without law enforcement getting involved. Could not agree more. And joining us now to expound upon that is Mr. John Cardillo, again, host of America Talks Live on Newsmax TV Daily, former New York City police detective, uh, and now, again, a very successful media member. Uh, John, good to have you, sir. How are you? Oh, great to see you again, Bob. Good to talk to you. It's been too long, to be honest with you, John. Uh, you are in the belly of the beast, as I said to you this morning. You're right down there in Broward County, and you have had your run-ins, I think you said, on the air with Brenda Snipes. First, let's lay out what you think uh, the the goal is here. Let's talk a little bit more about this 2020 kind of dry run that they're doing right now. And then I want you to tell me how in the living world they're getting away with this, given the fact that Brenda Snipes has such a history of malfeasance when it comes to performing her job. Uh, 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 it was r- ruled by a federal judge that she destroyed votes improperly after being ordered not to and all the other different things. How it is that she and they continue to get away with this? But uh, let's talk about that dry run, John Cardillo. Yeah, great, great to talk to you again, Bob, as well. Look, it's very simple. Identity politics, two words. And I tweeted this as well. If Brenda Snipes was a white man, she would have been removed from her job a long time ago and possibly most likely prosecuted. Broward County is very, very blue. But you got to go back to the beginning of this. Brenda Snipes was appointed by Jeb Bush. He wanted to be conciliatory. He wanted to reach across the aisle. And he listened to Broward County Democrats, oh, about 15 years ago when he was governor. And he appointed Brenda Snipes. And the reason he appointed Brenda Snipes is the woman before her, last name of Olafin, was removed from office for illegality and impropriety. So Games of elections has been the norm in Broward County. This is nothing new for Broward County, Broward County residents. Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, bring her into the picture. Now, you just mentioned a lawsuit back in May of 2018 of this year. Mm-hmm. A circuit court judge in Florida ruled that Brenda Snipes' office acted illegally. 
illegally. That's not a word John Cardillo's using. That's not a word Bob France is using. That's the word the judge said from the bench, that her office acted illegally in destroying ballots. Very important to note that the person who brought that lawsuit wasn't a Republican, Bob, wasn't a conservative. It was a liberal law professor. And I say liberal very generously. This guy has left the Bernie Sanders. His name is Tim Canova. He brought the lawsuit because Brenda Snipes, it appears, and the judge found, was colluding with Debbie Wasserman Schultz in her campaign. They destroyed a bunch of ballots, and Canova never got an accurate count, still to this day, doesn't know who legitimately won the Democratic primary. So Brenda Snipes has gotten away with it. Let's go to 2016 now. 2016, and I tweeted it out uh, yesterday, I received an affidavit from some people in the Republican Party of a young girl. Her name was Chelsea Smith. She was about 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Chelsea was a temp worker inside the supervisor of elections office, and she witnessed people close to Brenda Snipes in what they called a Pitney Bowes room. It's where those electronic counting machines manufactured by Pitney Bowes was. Right. They called the Pitney Bowes room. She was able to look through a window, and she watched them change Republican ballots to Democrat and then destroy those Republican absentee ballots. She swore out an affidavit. Now, this isn't a girl who made an allegation who didn't want to come forward. She went to law enforcement. She went through the state attorney's office. She swore out a complaint with them. She swore out an affidavit. This kid put herself under the penalty of perjury. She went on air with me. She went on air with others. No one did a thing. Let me tell you how bad it got. I got a call from this kid and her mother one night, crying. They lived those, you know, single mom with her 20-year-old daughter crying, so there's a car outside flashing a flashlight in our window. I said, okay, I don't know if these people are nuts. Maybe I picked the wrong horse here to get on air. Well, I asked a friend who was a Broward County deputy who was off-duty. I knew he lived in their area. He went over and he said there was a car with county plates shining a flashlight in their window, so he turned his police light on. He was actually off-duty, but in his department vehicle, turned his light on, and the car sped off. So someone from the county, and I could only assume it was someone from Brenda Snipes' office, Right. Was trying to soft intimidate this family. It was soft. So this has been historical. They tried. Now, if you recall, on election night 2016, and I don't want to be too long-winded, Broward County's votes came in last. I believe they were last on the East Coast. They were came in even after Central Time. What people don't know is that I and others were on the phone for hours with the FBI, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, any law enforcement agency we could get, finally. Law enforcement responded to her office, and five minutes later, the votes showed up. And so I'm convinced we've got anecdotal evidence, we've got circumstantial evidence, we have judges saying the word illegal, illegality. I'm convinced that Brenda Snipes' office acted illegally, and this was a dry run to steal the 2020 presidency. Because, Bob, last point, people say, well, you can't rig an election, you can't rig a presidential election. You really don't have to rig the country. You just have to rig a few counties in Ohio in a few counties in Florida, and you just rigged the presidential election. That is exactly right. John Cardillo is our guest. John hosts uh, America Talks Live on Newsmax TV uh, week, uh, weekday afternoons at 2 p.m., and John, that is exactly uh, how I took it as well. It, because I mean, you know, they don't have to rig the entire national election. You get the right uh, right counties in the right states. It goes from red to blue, and you make sure 
that Donald Trump uh, does not get a second term in, in office. And I feel like that's exactly what is happening here. Now let's talk about what the GOP is doing or can do about this. Again, I don't understand. Your, your history there about Jeb Bush appointing her is very, very well taken. But, but okay, what do we do now? Um, how come Rick Scott hasn't replaced her even before this election? Given what happened back in May, why are Republicans so afraid to do anything about her? And I, I, I fear I know the answer when you talk about the identity politics of all of this. Okay, so identity politics is one part of it. The other part of it is legal. Broward County was considered a charter county in the state of Florida, meaning that Brenda Stites is a constitutional officer. There's a very strict process in Florida to remove constitutional officers. We give them tremendous power. As a matter of federalism, I believe we should, right? We want our states to have power, and our states want their counties to have power. So in Florida, our supervisors of elections, our county sheriffs, have tremendous constitutional authority. The mechanism to remove her is underway. There needs to be an investigation by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. That needs to go to the state attorney, the local district attorney in her county. We call them state attorneys in Florida. That person, in the case of Brenda Snipes, the guy named Mike Satt, typically what he would do is recuse himself, say, well, I know her, we're in the same party, we're in the same county. The governor would then do an executive order to assign a state attorney from another county to then handle the prosecution. The prosecution had merit. If charges were filed and she moved on to prosecution, the governor actually suspends her in Florida. They don't actually remove. The governor suspends Mm -hmm. the constitutional officer. The state Senate calls an emergency session. They then come in and they vote to impeach. That process, I believe, now is underway because Attorney General Pam Bondi finally got set up and put the, the swearing in, the commissioner of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, on the carpet basically directed him even though she doesn't have the authority to do it she kind of does because she's part of the governor's cabinet but you really don't want to cross the ag if you're the head of the florida department of law enforcement now the fdle is saying well we never said we weren't investigating we simply said that at the time the inquiry came in the investigation hadn't gone underway so i was told by some sources up in tallahassee that fdle is very much involved and they don't expect brenda snipes to survive this politically probably not criminally either. John Cardillo, host of America Talks Live on Newsmax Television, joining us from Broward County. All right, so where, where do you think this thing ends with respect to the, the votes? They, they, I, 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 know, uh, I think it was uh, Rick Scott, or was it DeSantis? I can't remember now who was saying, look, I had a 60-some thousand vote lead on Tuesday night, over a week ago, Tuesday night, election night. The next morning it's down uh, you know, to, to 37,000, and then it's 12,000, and they keep finding more votes that are just for the Democrats. Yeah. Um, how, how, how much further can this go? Are they... I mean, I mean, um, Dan Bongino tweeted something yesterday, John, that kind of sums this up. And give me your thoughts on this. He said Republicans get to vote up to the end of voting on election night or before the election. Democrats get to vote until the Democrat wins. That seems to be how this is. It's not going to work, is it? At the end of it all, you tell me, are we going to have two, the two Republicans who were duly elected from Florida in those very important positions, the Senate and the governor's office? Yeah, I believe we are. And look, Dan's a friend. Uh, a lot of people don't know Dan was a New York City cop as well before he went over to Secret Service. That's right, yeah. He's got real good, in- he's got real good instincts. Uh, but uh, he's right. But here's the thing. I No, I do not think the Democrats are going to take this one, luckily, encouragingly. I think the Republicans, Rick Scott, Ron DeSantis, will be the next senator and governor. Reason being, Bob, even Brenda Snipes and her counterpart future up in Palm Beach County know 
the disparity, the vote disparity was too large. I, I believe the number was 27, 2800 votes is the largest amount of votes that have ever been. Uh, that's the largest disparity in votes that's ever been overturned in a Florida election in history. So in the case of Rick Scott, it would be four or five times. It'd have to meet the old bar by four or five times. In the case of DeSantis, about ten times. Even Snipes and Beecher know that if they quote-unquote found that many votes, they'd leave their offices in handcuffs that night. So I don't predict the recount is going to overturn any results. Okay, so so that's that's the good news at the end of the day. But however, you know what they are finding out here as far as you know their ability to run this thing uh, potentially in twenty twenty is very very concerning moving forward. Let's go, let's pivot now, John Cardello, to some other issues that are very um, crucial to twenty twenty as well, and that is the state of the Oval Office, the state te- technically of the West Wing. Uh, we have already seen quite a bit of turnover in the first two years of the Trump administration, a little bit more than is average by most presidential uh, administrations. Um, we also know that after the first midterm, a lot of president- presidential administrations also have turnover uh, in uh, high-level staff. But we are talking about some very important people right now. Uh, the word going around D.C. and coming out of D.C., which I know you're well aware is that Chief of Staff uh, John Kelly is going to be on his way out, and perhaps not by his choice, but by the President's, as well as uh, Kirsten um, uh, Nielsen, the uh, uh, Homeland Security Secretary. I thought she has done a fantastic job, in my opinion, John, of arguing on behalf of the President's policy of defending our border, defending our sovereignty, protecting this homeland. I thought she has been all in. Why do you think the President would want to remove somebody who has been a loyalist and done a great job, in my view, at, at DHS, and also his uh, his, his uh, chief of staff, who... I think a lot of people believe and agree brings great discipline to, uh, you know, to the West Wing and to the Oval Office that perhaps isn't there from the president himself. Well, yes, yeah, good question, right? So I don't believe all the hype, and I have a bit of an unfair advantage on this one because very, very close friend of mine since high school was one of Kelly's uh, chief staffers when he was over at Homeland. He was uh, essentially a right hand to him, and so General Kelly and the president have a great relationship. Kirsten Nielsen is Kelly's girl. He wanted her, he handpicked her to replace him at Homeland. So if Kelly goes, she loses her, we call it a law enforcement rabbi, right? Your, your mentor, your mm-hmm. the person who looks out for you, who gives you the cover you need. So uh, Nielsen is also a person who's very measured and careful. The guy that I'm hearing as Trump's top pick to replace her would be Tom Homan, the former ICE director. I am a very big Tom Homan fan. Holman has more of that bull in a China shop approach like Trump that Trump likes. And what <laughs> I'm hearing is that one of the problems Trump has with Nielsen is that she argues with him on shutting down the border, why it can't be done, the ramifications. Whereas Holman says, I'm a cop. Let's, you know, let, let's just go do it and then beg forgiveness later. We're not going to ask permission to do this. Nielsen is more of the ask permission and not at the beg forgiveness later school. But Trump likes the Holman approach. But in, with regards to Kelly, you know, General Kelly's a guy in his 60s. That is a grueling, grueling job. I don't care who the president is. That, that, that is a job where you're up at 4.30 in the morning, and you're probably going to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're essentially running everything with regards to staff, right? You're the chief of staff. So for General Kelly to leave after almost two years on the job is about the lifespan of every chief of staff. I think the only one who served longer was Andy Card in the Bush administration, but he had tremendous power and was in a different type of thing with the president. 
that's rare. You don't see that often. So I'm not reading too much into either one because it was always, to me anyway, expected that if Kelly ever left, Nielsen would probably go. And why wouldn't she? She's in her mid to late 40s. She can make a ton of money in the private sector. She'll be gobbled up by a Kroll or one of those companies or an ExxonMobil as a global head of security. She'll be making seven figures. But believe me, she's not. It's a, it's a step up for her financially to leave government service. And I think Holman would be a great replacement if he's the guy. So none of these are, are that unpredictable. I'm a fan of Holman as well. I've had him on a few different times, and I really like his approach, yeah. too. I have no problem with trading up there. I just wanted to find out and make sure that there wasn't something that, that Nielsen had done wrong, the president wasn't satisfied with, because I think that's going to lead to, uh, quite quite frankly, you know, perhaps a lesser pool of talent who want to come and work for him later, because I feel like she has been doing a very good job. I, I understand your point about the approach, you know, the permission versus uh, uh, forgiveness. I get all of that, and I understand why Holman might be preferable, but I just hope that it does not uh, it's not a negative parting because I think she does has done a great job. And I don't want others to say, man, I'm not going there if he tries to point me. Look what he did to Kirsten Nielsen, which brings us to the last point. And that, of course, is uh, uh, Attorney General Sessions. What is your view of the replacement of Sessions by uh, uh, Matthew Whitaker? You, all, you know all of the arguments, John. Uh, the left says he cannot serve in this position even in a temporary or interim capacity because he was never confirmed by the Senate that if he wants to get rid of the AG, he's got to go to one of the deputy AGs like Rosenstein, who, or the deputy AG like Rosenstein, who has been confirmed by the Senate. What's your take? Well, I, I actually had a dinner last week with a federal judge, so I called him on this one. I, sh- I shot him a text, and I said, is this a legal appointment? And he said, absolutely, this is a legal appointment. Uh, Ken Starr, who was a judge as well, said this is a legal appointment. So the Democrats are screaming and yelling that it's not. The fact of the matter is the president can name anybody acting. And if he wants, so wishes, he can float Whitaker for confirmation. The real reason that the left, and we'll call him the deep state, you know me, Bob, I'm not conspiratorial, but there is an institutional group of people in D.C. who just want the status quo to stay in place. When I say D.C., I don't mean a cigar-filled room. and It's just people that have been in those jobs and they don't like disruption and they want to do their 20 or 25 years and get their pension. They don't like Whitaker. Whitaker wrote a piece in The Hill, an opinion piece, a very well-written, concise, prosecutorial case for Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton's possibly illegal ties to the Ukraine. And that's the smoking gun nobody talks about. The media won't report on it. Nobody would look at it. Mueller should have been investigating it, but instead he gave Tony Podesta limited-use immunity when Podesta should be in jail for it. Whitaker knows all about it, and Whitaker wrote a very detailed piece. And Whitaker knows Hillary Clinton broke the law, and they are terrified that Whitaker understands this. More notably, he's willing to go public with it and do something about it. That's why you're seeing opposition to Whitaker, because we haven't heard Whitaker's name in years. He's been right there with Jeff Sessions. No one once ever complained about Whitaker being unfit to be the chief of staff of the Department of Justice. But now that he's in a position to call up grand juries and hand down indictments, they are terrified of this man. And I've only heard very good things about it. Yeah, I have as well. Um, it, last thing before you go, because we're short on time here, but John Cardillo, host of America Talks Live on Newsmax Television, weekdays at 2 o'clock. Who do you think the president has in mind for the full-time position to replace Jeff Sessions? It, it's probably not that going to be Whitaker, uh, I would imagine. Who do you, who do you see on that, uh, on that short list? You know, I'd have to say, I'm pure, purely guessing, but with the buzz, I think Florida AG Pam Bondi, she's turned out, and uh, her handpicked successor, 1AG, 
Uh, I think Noel Francisco, the Solicitor General, is on that list. I have to think Lindsey Graham's on the list because he's been a good ally. Those are the only three I'd be comfortable saying are on the list, but I have no idea who the top choice might be. Why? Why not Trey Gowdy when he decided he was going to step out of Congress and and not, and not uh, run again? I thought there was a reason for that. I thought maybe he had had a conference with the president and that hey, sit tight because uh, when I remove Sessions, you're my guy. How come his name isn't being floated with more seriousness? Trey Gowdy's all bark and no bite. Trey Gowdy does a great job up in the hearings on the Hill, but at the end of the day, Trey Gowdy is still from that D.C. status quo elite uh, uh, group, you know, that clique. And I think Trump knows that Gowdy would be a lot like Jeff Sessions once he got there. He wouldn't want to disrupt the apple cart, and they don't want a Sessions 2.0, because if they do that, Mitch McConnell's going to turn around to Trump and say, you're stuck with whoever you pick until the end of your second term. Right. I'm not playing this AG confirmation battle uh, game anymore. So you pick them, you own them, too bad. John Cardillo, uh, again, watch his program on Newsmax Television. I have DirecTV, so it's Channel 349, I can tell you that. I don't know yeah. what it is on all the other channels, uh, but uh, find Newsmax Television on your service plan and uh, watch John. It's America Talks Live weekdays at 2 o'clock. Uh, John, thank you so much. It's great to catch up with you again. Keep them honest down there in Broward County, the country, <laughs> not just your We're state, but that, the Bob, country is counting on it. Yeah, and you have to come on my show soon, Bob. It's long overdue, so we'll set that up as well. I would look forward to it. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, that's John Cardillo, a host of America Talks Live. We're late. We're out. Back after this. All right, 9.59 now, the Bob France Authority continues. Short segment here, obviously. We went a little along with John Cardillo. I understand we had an EAS test as well. You may have missed some of the uh, conversation uh, with John from America Talks Live uh, on uh, on uh, Newsmax Television. If you did miss any part of that, it's worth listening to. He is a fountain of information about what is going on in uh, in uh, Florida with respect to the voter fraud and the uh, you know attempted theft of these elections uh, from the uh, will of the the Florida voters, he is a fountain of information about that. But also very very dialed in in Washington D.C. as you uh, as you heard from part of that interview. So to hear the rest of it, make sure you go to whkradio.com. That's on our podcast or that is our website, I should say. Our podcast uh, is always available there. Just click on the local. Uh, uh, radio, uh, tab, and now I'm kind of forgetting what it's called actually. But if you just go to a podcast, I think it is, just click the podcast tab at the top, then go down to local, and then find the Bob France Authority and our number one on today's program, the 14th of November. You can listen to the rest of that interview. By the way, as long as I'm there, I like to remind people about great ways to listen to this program. If you are having any problem getting great reception in your building, maybe you're at work and it's uh, got a lousy AM receiver, uh, there for you, make sure you know you can listen online at WHK radio.com you can listen by way of your phone using our free mobile app 1420 the answer search for that on the app store or the google play store and if you happen to have uh the amazon echo device uh just tell alexa to enable the cleveland uh the answer cleveland skill and then anytime you want to listen just say alexa play the answer cleveland and this program and all of our programs will uh come right up for you crystal clear so make sure you check all of those out our number two coming up a lot to get into including some on the local level right here on am 1420 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.